0: listening to a resource from Jambru Anglican Church. All right, let me lead us in prayer. Loving Father, thank you so much that you speak to us and for the confidence that we can have from knowing that you and what you say is true. Help us to understand more of who you are and who we are and what you've done for us today as we look at your scriptures. We ask it in Jesus name. Amen. When I was growing up, the Berlin Wall was the global symbol of separation. Uh, It was the ultimate wall of hostility. East and West Berlin were separated by a giant concrete wall. And friends and even families were separated for decades by this heavily guarded wall. And when it was pulled down in 1989, I still remember that day, there were cheers of joy around the world. But other walls remain to this day. A few years ago, when Mandy and I travelled from Jerusalem into Bethlehem, our bus went through a checkpoint in a massive concrete wall to the West Bank the wall is a symbol of hostility between israel and palestine and it's a hostility really that's existed throughout history and it remains as one that is painful and complicated but who would have thought that we in australia would at this day have have closed state borders ever imagine that day doesn't really affect our daily life here in Jamberoo too much. But if you lived in Aubrey-Wodonga or in Tweed Heads, I reckon every single hour you'd be reminded of the fact that you can't just pop up over to Coolangatta or whatever it is. It's extraordinary. Now, we've done that in our nation too prevent the the spread of a deadly virus. But most other closed borders around the world are for political reasons, and they're for social reasons, whether it's the wall across the Korean Peninsula, or whether it's the West Bank that I've spoken of, or whether it's the Mexican border. Walls are made to separate people and stop them coming together. But some social divisions don't even have a wall. Ethnic divisions separate communities without even having internal boundaries. Sometimes it's about skin colour, as we've seen recently in the Black Lives Matter protests. Sometimes it's about a long-held social division, like the historical clashes in Northern Ireland or the Baltic States. But if there was ever a group of people who cut themselves off from the rest of the world, it was the Jews. The Jewish Bible, which is our Old Testament, speaks over and over again about the need to separate from non-Jews or Gentiles, as we are called. God wanted his people, Israel, to be separate from the other nations. They couldn't eat with them. They They couldn't worship with them, that's for sure. And at the temple, there was a literal wall that divided Jews from Gentiles. And this Jew and Gentile division ran deep. It ran very, very deep. And to be honest, you'd think it would be impossible to unite it. But in today's section of the Bible from Ephesians chapter 2 from 11 11 to 18, we will see how this division is reconciled. We can see that the two really can become one. And the way it all happened was nothing short of a miracle. I'm now going to read to us from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 18. The words will be up on the screen. And when I do so, have a look out for where you can see that the enemies have become friends. Have a look out for how the two separate groups have now become one and the situation around how that happened. Let me read it to us. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility towards each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who are far away from him and peace to the Jews who are near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Well, if you were with us last week, you would have seen how it is that Jesus brings people from spiritual death to spiritual life. We saw from chapter 2, verses 1 to 10, how we were all dead because of our many sins, and that by raising Jesus from the dead, he gave his people new life. And it was all by grace, a free gift that we didn't earn and we didn't deserve. And even the good things we do as forgiven Christians are from God and are for his glory and praise. This new life in Christ Jesus is a stunning miracle and it's one for which we can be eternally grateful. But the miracle of new life in Jesus doesn't stop there. It extends to new unity between Jew and Gentiles. It has done what we could never have imagined it could do. It has broken down the wall. And that's what we're going to explore as we look at the next few verses in Ephesians. Jesus has brought reconciliation between us individually and him. But not only that... He has brought reconciliation between the kind of almost arch enemies as the wall is broken down. And it starts here as a reminder to the Gentiles, that's us, of how we were before. Verse 11. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews, who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. What were we like, we non-Jews? We were outsiders. We weren't in the club. And the the Jews had a special name for us. Uh, The nicest way to translate it is the uncircumcised. You can do some research to find out how that might actually, there might be even another way to describe us. But it's all to do with the fact that God gave a special ritual to his people so that all the males were circumcised on the eighth day of their life. And if you don't know what circumcision means, uh, go and ask your father uh, or your mother. Um, they'll let you know. But the, or, or your children. no. But God gave a special ritual. And this ritual was a way in which they could physically mark that they were part of the covenant community in a fairly graphic way and even though it wasn't visible to others it was nonetheless a badge of honour. It was just one of the many things that separated physically the Jews from the rest of the world and they were proud of that circumcision but unfortunately as we read in this verse it only affected their bodies and it didn't really affect their hearts they had an outward religion without inner change An outward religion without an inner change. It sounds familiar? I'd hate to think how many millions of people around the world say that they're Christians, have done Christian stuff, maybe even pop into church once or twice a year for things like Christmas and Easter and stuff. They've got all the Christian stuff. They might even have a little certificate in a drawer somewhere that says this is the day I was christened or baptised. It's an outward religion, but sadly that person really is no different to anyone else. It's an outward religion without an inner change. And as I was thinking about this passage this week, I was thinking, I feel like I need to say to the people in this room today and also tomorrow, and you if you're watching at home, it may be that you have faked the religion thing for a long time. Maybe you've been able to put on the Christian kind of outfit and the and the christian talk and the christian walk but deep down inside you it's an outward thing but not an inward thing now if that happens to be you and you recognize that the good thing is it's not too hard to change you just need to come to jesus and say sorry jesus i've been faking it i'm sorry would you forgive me and can we start this thing again and and have a real relationship where you are my king and i'm not my own king and if you were to say that to Jesus, then he'd say, sure, I forgive you. And yeah, let's do this right. Let's, let's, let's go on the inside as well as the outside. Sadly, what was happening here, though, was that there was a whole bunch of people who were religious on the outside, literally, but not on the inside. And with that in mind... Paul keeps talking now not about so much the Jews with their circumcision who used to pay out the Gentiles by calling them uncircumcised. But he goes on to say more than that. Verse 12, he says, In those days you Gentiles were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. This is the before picture for those who are non-Jews, just like me and you. Before we heard the good news about Jesus Christ as the Messiah, we were living apart from him, and we couldn't have citizenship with the people of Israel. You know, in a sense, the only passport that God accepted was the Israeli passport. And if you wanted to get that passport, you couldn't. It wasn't an option until now but this this the before picture and we what's more didn't know all of the good things that that passport brought the blessings of land and descendants and of being god's own people those covenant promises we didn't get but worst of all we lived without god and hope To be excluded from God's special people, the Jews, meant you didn't have God and you didn't have hope. hope. And that is still the case today for those who live without Jesus as their loving ruler. I tell you what, our world needs hope now more than ever, surely. Every time I see something yellow on a fence and I see so much of it now, it's beautiful, isn't it? It's a picture of hope. But whilst I love the, that picture of hope, that the, the hope that lasts and the, the deep hope that is real is ultimately only found in Jesus. And the colour for that hope is actually not yellow. It's red. It's the blood of Jesus. Verse 13. Now you have been united. With Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to Him through the blood of Christ. It's another before and after. We were apart from Christ, out of His family, but now we are united with Christ. We are together with Christ. We are in Christ. We are connected. When we became friends with Jesus, we became part of His body. And so everything he has, we have. Because we are fully connected with him in every single way. But not only are we connected with him, we're also brought near to him. Now, some people might say, you know, how are you going with God? Oh, I'm feeling a bit Far away from him, you know, I need. I want to get close to God. That kind of away from or close to God thing, and and that can sometimes be a way to describe us if we're maybe being disobedient to God, or we've just sort of kind of he's fallen out of our life a bit. But the idea of being far away and being brought near actually has more of a an explicit meaning in this passage here, because it really links in with the way in which the temple. Was created. Not only the temple, but all of the area around it. You know what a target looks like? That when you when you're shooting an arrow, you've got the bullseye in the middle, and then you've got the next ring around it, then you've got the next ring around it, then you've got the next ring around it. That's kind of a way of understanding how the Old Testament temple worked. Right slam bang in the middle of it was the very presence of God. And nobody could go in there except once a year and except the high priest. But then you could kind of get close to it. If you were one of the religious people, the, the, the priests and the, those who served in the temple, you could kind of go in the next ring. And then if you were just an everyday Jewish man, you could be in the next ring. And then if you were an everyday Jewish woman, you could be in the next ring, And then if you kind of wanted to get sort of close to God, but you weren't Jewish, you could be in the next ring, which was the court of the Gentiles. Can you see that if you were far away from God, it was pretty physical. It was pretty real. You could see the distance. You could see where the smoke was coming out of the temple and whether you were close or not to it. And if you were a Gentile like I am, a non-Jew, you're not very close to God at all. Because you have separated by all these layers. But now we who are on the outer have been brought into the centre. The big dividing wall has been broken down. And it all happened by the blood of Jesus. Have you noticed that when Jesus died, something happened to the temple? In Matthew 27 it says... At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two, from top to bottom. You might say, oh yeah, whatever. No, 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 no. Don't just whatever that. This is very significant, because the temple curtain blocked you from being right there where God was. And it broke it and said, you can come on down and get right in there. Something happened. And in fact, Jesus' death made the whole temple separation obsolete. Anyone can just rock on up and get into the temple. And it all happened from the death of Jesus. Verse 14. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. See, the death of Jesus brought peace, genuine peace, removal of hostility, true unity, wonderful oneness. If you've ever experienced hostility, you'll know what a relief it is when peace comes. Many years ago, I had a falling out with a friend. And it was pretty stressful when I would turn up to things expecting that there's a chance that he might be there. And we weren't really talking. It was pretty awkward. And you'd kind of like walk into the room and you'd be just a bit tense and you'd look around. Uh, 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 okay, he's not here. And you'd relax. And there was that kind of tension. It's like, oh, it might be somewhere near where he is. Uh. Well... Thanks to the work of the Holy Spirit, we have been reconciled and we are no longer out of peace with each other. And It's an enormous blessing. It is a great relief. And to know that we might bump into each other at a particular thing, I'm not actually worried about that. I'm hoping that he might be there and we can say, Ah, how are you going? Tell us about how things are. If you've had that tension of hostility that has then resulted in peace, you'll know what a relief it is. You can, you can taste it almost. You can feel it. You can touch it. You can smell it. It's, it, it. it's multi-sensual. Now just imagine what it must have been like for the Jews and the Gentiles to be separated in such stark ways. But now to be brought into being reconciled and not just kind of holding hands with each other, but becoming one new people. One new people. That's what it says. This is extraordinary to think that this could happen. One people, one body. That is what happened when Jesus died on the cross. And so we are all in it together. There are so many things that happen from the death of Jesus. And one of them is the reconciliation of the Jews and the Gentiles. We're all now part of the one body of Christ. Together we all believe in Him as our loving ruler. And it's extraordinary stuff. In fact, the great cry of 1989 break down the wall! break down the wall and under dark with floodlights they were getting these sledgehammers and they were smashing the Berlin Wall and they were jumping on top of it and waving a flag and cheering check out some of the early clips it's amazing stuff yeah whatever whatever that's nothing compared to Jews and Gentiles embracing enemies enemies separated coming together you want to know how bad the, the what just exactly what the it meant to be excluded I, I think about exclusion at the moment uh, I haven't really wanted to to go to Victoria for a while. I mean, I, I love going to Melbourne, but now you tell me I can't go. I'm thinking, oh, I want to. I'm just feeling itchy. I want to go to Victoria, you know, and, and Queensland. Oh, bring it on! More than anywhere, I want to go to Queensland because you not. I'm not allowed to. If you if you turn up to the temple. There there is a sign there. They've actually got a. They've got the actual bit of of rock that has the inscription in it. If you go to a museum in Istanbul, in Turkey, you can see it there. You won't understand it. It's in Greek, but that's okay. Or, or is it Greek? I don't know, whatever it is. But it's in, it might be in Hebrew. It says, No foreigner is to enter within the balustrade and forecourt around the sacred precinct. Whoever is caught will himself be responsible for his consequent death. It's not a terribly welcoming kind of sign, (laughs) like welcome to Jamboree Anglican. You know, you cross this line, we kill you. It's like, (laughs) this was full on. You did not cross that line. This is what that dividing wall felt like, looked like. And now, when Jesus came, the exclusion has turned into inclusion. The exclusion has turned into inclusion. There is deep reconciliation at the cross of Christ. But it's also worth noting that the physical temple of God, the actual rock temple, stone temple that's in Jerusalem, that also was transformed and fulfilled in Jesus' body. When I visited Jerusalem and stood on the temple mound, there was no Jewish temple there. In fact, instead of being a Jewish temple, there's an Islamic, sl- Islamic shrine, the, the famous Dome of the Rock, with its genuine gold covering of the, the dome. It's a stunning building. But it's not the Jewish temple, I can tell you that. And in fact, no Jews are allowed on the Temple Mound. The closest they can get to the Temple Mound is the wall of the Temple Mound known as the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall. That's as close as they can get to where the temple was. And when you go there, they've got little bits of paper like this that they've written their prayers on and they are folded up and they've stuck in the cracks. And you can see all of these bits of paper in the cracks and they they are wailing because they know that the temple is destroyed and they long for the temple. And I say, you guys are 2000 years late because the moment that Jesus said it is finished and he gave up his spirit, that building, as pretty and as awesome and as historical as it is, it's just another bit of rock. We're going to talk more about that next week, so be sure to come along. But the point of this is that Jesus' body is the new temple. Because the temple was where you met God, now the body of Christ is where you meet God. And when you want to go to the temple, you go to the house of God, and where's the house of God? It's Jesus. Jesus' body is the new temple. And to give you a, a bit of a sneak peek into next week... Chapter two twenty one. 21, we are carefully joined together in Christ, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. We'll explore that a bit more next week. But how did he do this? Look at verse 15. Well, he did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. How did he get rid of the the old separation bring in the new one it was because he ended the old system of laws and commandments and regulations the law was an amazing document and it had one main purpose and that was to show the need for grace because we know that the 10 commandments don't get you to god you stand before God and you say, oh, I've got this covered. And he says, why should I let you into heaven? He says, oh, because I've kept the Ten Commandments, oh, most of them, almost most of the time. Ah, oh, yeah, well, maybe not, but pretty close. Is that okay? You know, is it kind of like 51 is fine, 49% not, you know? How does it work? Please get degrees. Is that, is that kind of works with you, God? Is that how it works? It doesn't. It is only, there's only one person who has actually kept the law perfectly, and that's Jesus. And when he kept the law perfectly and he was punished as though he hadn't, it was at that moment that he did away with all the old system. Because because he kept the law perfectly, it means that if you are united with him, you get all his benefits. On the front of our car, the windshield, is a National Park sticker. Uh, It's a great little sticker because it means that we can drive into a national park and if a ranger sees us, they see the sticker and they say, come on in, you are welcome because you've got a sticker on your car and everybody who's in the car with you is allowed to come into the national park. Imagine that to get into the kingdom of God, you needed to have a sticker. And there was only one sticker that's ever been earned and that was Jesus' sticker. And Jesus, you're going to love this, he, he's in a bus. It's the Jesus bus. And on the front of the Jesus bus is the sticker that says, I'm going to let uh, access into the kingdom of God. Nobody else has got that sticker. Nobody else can earn it. And so how are you going to get into the kingdom of God? You're going to earn a sticker uh, that's not going to work. How are you going to get into the kingdom of God? you got to get on the bus. You get on the bus. You get on the Jesus bus and the Jesus bus will take you into the kingdom of God. That's what it means to be united with Christ, to be in union with Christ, to be in Christ, to be in his body. You got to get on the Jesus bus. And you get into heaven. You get into the kingdom of God because of because he's got the sticker and he got access. But it doesn't just stop there. Because when you're sitting on the Jesus bus, I love this analogy. I hope you love it nearly as much as I do. When you're sitting on the Jesus bus, you're hanging out with other people on the Jesus bus. And it's not like some people have got first class and second class. You're all in it together. You're just sitting next to other people on the Jesus bus. Whether they're a Jew or a Gentile, doesn't matter. You're all on the Jesus bus. Verse 16. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility towards each other was put to death. We are not only reconciled to God, you know kind of looking through the Front window of the bus thinking, I'm just thinking about what it means for me to be in the kingdom of God. We're actually reconciled to each other. It's kind of like you're saying to the, your mate the, on the, the bench seat, Hey, we're in this together, and you're reconciled. We are reconciled to God and to each other. And hostility is put to death. This is true peace. This is true reconciliation and it totally redefines what Christian community is really like. You see, in the book of Ephesians, the letter to the Ephesians, all this reconciliation is about Jews and Gentiles coming together. And if you were around at a time when you could see the two different types of people, you would go, wow, when you see that reconciliation. It's kind of an extreme version of two different groups coming together. But if that is the case of Jew and Gentile, then it is also the case that every Christian from every nation, from every background is now united and should not be in hostility with each other. Many years ago I used to go to a church that started originally as a Bible study for Australian-born Greeks. It was called Greek Bible Fellowship. Now by the time our family had got to go to that church, it it had gone from being a Bible study group to being a church, and there weren't just Greeks, there were people of all different nationalities, especially Mediterranean types. And amongst the members were not only Greeks, there were Macedonians. Now, Greeks and Macedonians are kind of, um, well, I understand it's kind of like cats and dogs, right? But they are together, one in Christ, unified in Christ. Uh, hugging and kissing, and, and, which is the Greek kind of way, you know, together. doesn't matter what nationality, all one in Christ Jesus. Now, the ethnic groups in Jamboree are a little less obvious, they do exist. It's kind of like Irish versus Scottish, I think, or something like that. <laughs> no, it's more complex than that. But there are still things that divide us here in Jamboree. It doesn't need to be where, you're, where you trace your ancestry or, or, or which convict boat you got off. You know, it, it, it's kind of like we, there are other things that will divide us. But we mustn't let that be the case. Not when we are in Christ, when we are reconciled. Our church is old. This building is really old. 152 years old. A lot's happened in this place, right? But a lot of our current... Membership of church is relatively new. Probably close to, you know, three out of four people in our church have been new members in the last five years. It's kind of fun, and, and there's a there's a there's a buzz around the place. I think we we enjoy a real unity, which is really lovely. Now, I can't. If people said to me, "Oh, you know, tell me about the best in your church," I think, oh, I just th- scratch my head a little bit. Um, but the. Th- that is a beautiful thing and it is something that is a spiritual thing from God by his spirit that he says, let's just get on with the job of, of glorifying God and not getting petty about stuff. But there will be times when it, when things will blow up and maybe a particular issue might just rear up and, and get us sort of, well, I'm with that person and I'm with that person and we've got to watch that. Because I tell you, if Jews and Gentiles can have a meal together and sing Hava Nagirla and you know, and, and Zorba the Greek, and whatever, however it works. If that can happen, then we in Jamboree can get on as Christians. We need to live as united people. And if you think, if you can think of someone who is a brother or sister in Christ, and you're not in fellowship with them, what are you waiting for? Get on the phone. Say we've got to have a cuppa. Sort it out. Reconciliation is. It's a reality. You're on the bus together. Don't say, oh, I don't want to look across the aisle. Really? Verse 17 says, Jesus brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. In all of this, you notice who's actually doing the evangelizing? It's Jesus. Jesus brought the good news, the gospel of peace to us, the Gentiles. And he also brought it to the Jews who were near. This is what brings this result. The way in which we get this peace is by believing the good news. Jesus speaks it. We speak it. It's powerful. It's why we talked a little bit earlier on in the question time about the need to talk about Jesus and how it's a powerful thing. It's massively powerful because it is the good news of peace that brought the peace to the Jews and the Gentiles with God. And the result, verse 18, last verse, now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. All of us, Jew, Gentile, can come to the Father. We can call God our Father. And we have access by the same Holy Spirit. We don't have a Jewish Holy Spirit and a Gentile Holy Spirit. It's the one Holy Spirit through the one Christ to the one Father. And it's all from Jesus. It's all what he has done for us. You know, most religions are all on about what we do to get right with God. We have to do this good work or, or go to this church service or do this sacrificial act. But with Christianity, general Christianity, it's not about what you do, it's about what is done. It's not do, it's done. Jesus has done it all, and we see that here. Our reconciliation, i tell you what, some of those reconciliation moments with another Christian who's hurt you, you need a supernatural intervention to go and say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? But the whole reconciliation that can get you to that point is the reconciliation that began much earlier down the track with Jesus reconciling us to the Father by the Spirit in his name. And that's what is at the heart of the true Christian faith. Uh, Certainly 2020 is going to be a year to remember. And I don't think we'll ever forget the closed borders, not only with the rest of the world, but even with the rest of Australia. Just to think that a woman got sentenced to six months in prison for illegally crossing the border into Western Australia by hiding in a truck. This is the stuff that we read about in the Cold War in Germany. Wow, 2020. Huh? We've never lived at a time when there have been more walls and fences prohibiting our movement and separating us from others. But at the same time, we are probably more connected this year with the rest of the world and with others than we've ever been, I think. Uh, This coming week, I'm going to a conference in Nashville, Tennessee. Or from my laptop in Jamboree. Before the coronavirus, you could only go if you turned up to the place in Nashville, Tennessee, but now they've made it a global conference. And oh, I can't wait. In many ways, our world is more connected than ever before. You might even be joining us here in church via live stream from a long, long way away. We regularly get people from other continents joining us. Wow. We are having a, a unity and a peace with others around the world and others who are local. And it's because our true unity is actually In Christ Jesus. He is our peace. And we just long for the day when we will have the full experience of that unity with all believers who are in Christ, face to face, around the throne of God. But ultimately, all of that comes from the first Good Friday. That's where our reconciliation came from. It's from the blood of Christ. It's from the the red flowers of hope because in his blood he is our peace and so let us live out that unity express that unity enjoy that unity the unity that is bought for us at the cost of christ his very blood shed for us let me pray our loving father we are so thankful for the death of your son jesus on our behalf And that because of his bloodshed we now have peace with you. And we thank you, Father, so much that we are unified and united, Gentile and Jew, together as one body. And we pray that we would live that out, that we would we would enjoy it, that we would experience it, and that you as well, Father, would lead us by your Spirit to identify people who we may have fallen out of of peace with, so that we might in your power head to a place where we might be reconciled as well. We pray that you protect our little church here from disunity so we might enjoy together the unity that we have in Christ Jesus. And we ask it in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Jambrough Anglican Church. For more information, head to jambroughanglican.com.